there. Welcome to Nine Year Gap, a podcast where we look at career change, success stories and the mindset behind it. I'm sorry that this episode's taken so long to get on the air. It's just that time of year. I don't even need to get into it. Everyone is busy right now, Christmas time. This episode, I'm going to feature a special guest. Actually, we have a surprise guest. But before I get into that, we're going to talk about the direction we're going to go in after a Christmas break uh, with the podcast. And then after that, I am going to do a recap and, and just a, a wander through all the guests we've had so far and uh, share what I think the common themes are and what I've learned and, and what the, the whole point of this uh, show has been so far. So what are we going to do after a Christmas break? Now, we'll probably take a couple of weeks off and we're going to come back with more interesting, honest and engaging guests. We'll also try to change things up with shorter episodes, okay? We want them to be a little crisper and uh, even feature some hot topics. I want Nine Year Gap to explore issues and topics which need the specialised knowledge of people in the know, and there are many of those around us. So keep watching the Nine Year Gap space. Our link tree at Nine Year Gap has all the links you need. Instagram at Nine Year Gap, Twitter at Nine Year Gap Podcast, our podcast page on www www.robertbarbara.com. I don't think I needed to tell you the www's, but it's fun to say. Or nineyeargap.buzzsprout.com. Okay, on YouTube, our website and our socials, we're going to feature some best of moments. And there's going to be some videos. I have taken footage of some of these interviews from the guests so far. After we look back at the guests, we have a little treat for you. We'll feature a clip from a dear friend of mine named Bobby Cannoli. He is a continental man. He's very sure of himself and he loves to share his knowledge of food, culture and being a man. I mean, that's his words, not mine. He lives above his mother's secondhand furniture store in Brunswick, Melbourne, Australia. He's going to talk us through his very special recipe for a good bruschetta. He might even tell you how to say it. Bobby might be an ongoing feature or a nine-year gap. I'm hoping he can be. So let me know what your thoughts on Bobby are. All right. Now let's look back at the podcast and the guests so far. Nine Year Gap began as a project to deal with the issue of looking for work. In my case, I've been a professional touring singer and performer for 10 years, and I have a background in um, law. I trained as a fully qualified solicitor in Melbourne, Australia, and I also have a degree in geography and environmental science. But I've been out of the non-performer workforce for nine years. I wanted to reach out to people who have successfully managed to change career direction, whether slightly or completely, and see what insights and lessons I could gain to help me on my way. We've been joined by 12 guests from around the globe, Paris, France, Melbourne and Perth, Australia, London and Buckinghamshire, UK and Vienna, Austria. Some are old connections from school and university, some are from the music and opera world that I've worked with, and others have careers who I really ad- admire and uh, I've observed over the years. They've been enjoyable and interesting chats, and through this process I've found out so much about who I am, who I want to be, who I need to be, and the real voice inside. I really want to thank the guests for their gift of sharing and for you out there for supporting the podcast and listening in each week. Let's keep growing and growing because it's just, I mean, it's, I'm just having such a good time and people are absolutely getting the point of this podcast. We're trying to fill in the gaps. It's a little bit of motivation. It's a bit of sharing. It's just simple chats and simple messages. So what are the trends and themes coming out of the stories? I've broken them down to a few. So the first one is the organic process that mentor and good friend of mine, David Corcoran from episode nine, he um, talked about this organic process and the pro- and, and this 
idea has come up again and again uh, with all the with all the guests. And just look at Sharon Heinrich in episode two. She had a fascination with patisserie and French culture. She put in the time to explore pastry in her personal time outside of work, but then she decided to bring it into the office and share her creations. And over time, and through multiple trips to France, the passion was fueled. Another noteworthy aspect of Sharon's career story is how she ensured the security of a day job. All right, She moved her life from Israel to France and maintained her skills in government-type roles and landed a government job in Paris to ensure her new you know, Parisian life in pastry and chocolate was viable. In other words, there wasn't a complete abandonment from her old life. After all, we all need to survive. It's an obvious point, but worth mentioning. The organic process was shown by Yirandwan in episode 10 and Kara Arbiba in episode 11. In Yiran's case, she realized that her cultural heritage, the bi-ethnic minority from the Yunnan province in China, she realized that her cultural heritage wasn't available on display in the Western world. So, what is a theatre costume maker living in London to do? As she said, and with such utter delight, why not just start a business? She realized that she had the skills and a product, indigo dyed fabrics, tea and other crafts, which she could introduce to the public in London. And now, since the coronavirus situation, people from around the globe are aware of her products. They participate in her programs. In Kara's case, as a working exhibiting photographer, she was able to share her experimental collage work to a gallery manager who responded with admiration and intrigue. This led to an eventual invitation to make more collages and create an exhibition. And voila, a new direction appears. The validation of an expert really is it's a potent spark to take on new challenges in your current industry or art medium. I would say the individual themselves starts that spark. And it takes that initiative to ask those questions and put yourself out there. You know, I'm not sure I'd say that the process of changing direction itself is organic, as, as David said, but the way in which the momentum starts and continues, that's what's organic. And the result is landing in unexpected places. This can even affect your love life, like Sharon found true love by pursuing this path. When David uh, talks about uh, meeting a clairvoyant or discussing his future job prospects with, with a trusted friend, one is reminded to not only ask questions, but to clean those ears, and I struggle with this, and just listen, really listen to what people are saying. It's, it's a big, important one there. This show, Doing Interviews, has taught me the power of listening. My high school mate and uh, episode four guest, Ethan Dudaskalu, an already well-seasoned business person, during the process of finding office space for his business at the time, he realized that he and his business partner, who he had, could profit from renting out office space to others. And so that became a new business venture. You know, I'm reminded of, of the childhood game, Pass the Parcel, where children sit in a circle and they pass a parcel to the next child whilst removing a layer of wrapping. Eventually, in the center is a gift, a center or a center, eventually in the center is a gift or treat. A business venture can be a similar process, I think, from what I've observed. There is a chain of people. You just have to keep passing the product or service along and eventually the fruits of your labor are revealed and there is a new business. There is profit and maybe even business partners. This attitude of perpetual motion is so apparent in people like Ethan. No wonder he and his current business are a luggage and travel accessory brand to really watch out for in the coming years. 
Another theme is not being afraid to ask questions. And we discussed this at great length with my close friend from Monash University Schools of Politics and Anthropology. We went through a lot of lectures together, James Summers, from episode eight. James had observed the success of one of his high school friend's dads, and he wondered, why is this guy so successful? What, what does he even do for a living? And James, in a particular situation, he had finished university and, and jobs were scarce in his, in his particular field. We had the internet, um, the, the dot-com bubble, and so that really shook people up. James, he stepped out of his comfort zone, called up his friend's dad and asked him if he could explain what he did for a living. Two sittings later, long chats and a few glasses of scotch and a whole new world opened up and now James is making a real name for himself in the shipping world, working at Clarkson's Shipping Brokers. So he's based in Perth and he is, I'm telling you, you name it, you look around your house, I'm sure one of those items is there and he has been responsible for it. Kate McAdam, episode five, a very fun chat, and she she talked about discussing with her friend about her experience renovating her home, and this led to meeting someone in the building industry. There's a lot of connections going on. She tested the water. It led to a meet and greet with the manager, which turned out to be an interview of sorts. And now she's crushing it in the building industry. Being in a clear minority as well. She, this is what's interesting about her story is that she's in a clear minority as a woman in, in, in the building industry. She has the bonus of breaking down that gender stereotype too. It's a really good and convenient benefit to to the pathway she decided to go in. It's a great story, so you know, have a listen to that one. Another theme is trusting one's past experiences and their instinct. So Dave Newington, episode three, a friend who I performed with in a world tour with the with the international singing group, the Ten Tenors. He was on piano and band leader and I was singing. He talked about making the shift from working as a commercial pianist, which he still does on the side, to music publication world, and now as a recruitment consultant for the tech industry. He followed a lead from a contact, and this particular role in recruitment found its way in front of him. He trusted his instinct and didn't psych himself out of it. When he gave some tips and advice about job seeking, it became very clear that not only has he got a knack for this particular field, but he's curious about the whole process of recruitment. He gets it. You know, he's feeling the benefit of and the productivity of his job. I believe that he trusted himself, that he had enough experience and skills from his previous work experience to really dive in and go for it. I know that I would be lying if I ever said that fear wasn't an aspect which prevented me from just diving in and giving a particular opportunity a go. Sophie Medlin, episode seven, who I met when, when I attended some seminars that she gave at the National Opera Studio in London. She moved from the NHS system to academia and is now co-directing a growing nutrition and dietetics company. She really gives an honest account of some of her struggles. She really gives an honest account of some of her struggles, but also her honest look at herself and her strengths. She took a leap and found like-minded professionals, and there you go. There's that organic flow again. Another theme is focus. Probably, I mean, I can't say it's the most important one, but it's definitely something that comes up Time and time again, Trishna Baradia, episode six from Strictly Come Dancing for Non-Celebrities. She was on that show. She's a Spanish translator and analyst. That's her day job. 
and manages to be a high-profile MS and health advocate in the UK and also internationally. She shows us the power of knowing what skills we have and how to make an opportunity with the hand that is dealt to us. Although her health advocacy work is not her day job per se, it was a great opportunity to discuss how one suffering from a condition such as MS can use their energy, passion and accrued skills and simply act on them. There is a simplicity to her ethos. Patients are often overlooked and unheard. Trishna stood up, put in the effort and learned how to address audiences and be a leader by trial and error. She also had the help of her mum and carer, who gave her honest feedback about her presentations over the years. Teamwork, that's another little side theme applicable to most of the guests. We just can't do things alone. Kaylin Howarth, episode 12, who I met in the opera scene in Melbourne, Australia, she understood clearly that there was a hole in the market in terms of performance psychology coaching. She worked as a performer and so she had empathy, but also could come to the realisation, being amongst all these professional um, singers and, and performers, that she could better serve her beloved performing arts by helping artists themselves achieve and overcome obstacles. Her method is to apply her skills in conversation and training in psychology. It's clearly working because I know a few friends who are working artists and they praise Caitlin for the work that she's been able to do. The issue of focus and drive was also shown by episode 13 guest Anisha Gangotra, who happens to be the younger sister of Trishna from episode 6. Anisha talked about her health conditions that she has and a high-speed car accident that she was involved in. And these events have left ongoing psychological and physical impacts on her. But it's interesting because she talked about eventually resigning from a solid position in corporate sales to go on a trip to South America, which led to her connecting with who she was inside. It led to being able to make decisions relevant to the direction she wanted her life to take. And this act of focus, I suppose, is the light to follow. And she, she really explains how she managed to do that. I have to say the guests have been courageous and they've inspired me. Please take care of yourselves. Stay safe. Keep the conversation going. I'm Robert Barbro, wishing you an amazing Christmas season. But right now we've got Bobby Cannoli. He's going to share his thoughts on bruschetta. So get in the kitchen. Get ready. Watch the nine-year gap space. Take care of yourselves. Bye, everyone. Ciao. This is Bobby Cannoli here. And I would like to share with you a secret. A secret on how to make the most delicious bruschetta. That's right. It's a hard sea, so it is not bruschetta or bullshitta. It is bruschetta. Okay? It's not that hard. So, I like to get a nice piece of bread with the seeds. But you can get white, you can get brown and anything in between. I don't care. So, then you get the tomato. I like to use the big ones that look like aliens. They're very ugly looking tomato, but they're very nice flesh. Delicious. They make uh, very good this tomato in South Australia. If you're in another part of the world, I feel sorry for you because these tomatoes are bloody delicious. But they have very good tomato all around the world. So you get the tomato of your choice. Preferably one with not too much uh, water inside, uh, because you want the flesh, not the seeds. Okay? Good.
So you have your tomato. Now you need to put the bread in the toaster and let it toast to your desirable amount. But don't burn the toast because you have the burnt taste and the dish ruined. So you have the toast perfectly toasted and you slice the tomatoes. Don't make too thick. Make it practical to eat. So make slices and... Uh, you can spread on the bread. Some people like to put avocado. I am one of those people. You can put the avocado and spread on the toast. If you don't have avocado, don't worry. Your life can continue. So, you put the sliced tomato on the toast. Then, you get the sprinkle of the salt. If you have the beautiful fancy pansy pink salt from the Himalayas. I welcome this salt. It is uh, has a home in my home. But if you have a regular salt, iodized bullshit salt, that's fine. But I promise you, it is better to have salt with no anti-caking agent. So, you sprinkle the salt, you crack some black pepper. I like a bit of white pepper too. Hey, you know, have a pepper party. Why they are welcome. So, crack the pepper. Then, this is where the secret lies. You get some dry oregano. Oregano. I don't care you say this one. It, uh, we don't have the same bruschetta problem. Sprinkle the oregano on the tomato. And it's very nice color too. Then, I like to have the optional chili. But you don't need chili. It's okay. Then put beautiful extra virgin olive oil and sprinkle it on the tomatoes with the oregano and the salt and pepper. It's a very simple dish. But I promise you, you will go, I can't believe I had any other form of bruschetta. <laughs> I broke up the word in two bits just to make it easier for you. Enjoy. I know you will. It's very delicious. And no animals were harmed in the process of this particular dish. Ciao.